personal responsibility. The scripture says when he said he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus knew about carrying out God's will. He knew what it was going to cost, but he accepted the outcome because of why? Because of his obligation, because of his commitment to the Father. We truly embrace personal responsibility when we accept personal accountability. Not our will, but God's will. The God, uh, Bible teaches about the first probably eight or ten pages. We see really quick, God is the creator, we are the created. And we see the obligation that we have with him, beginning from the first breath that we take, uh, and even before because of what Scripture tells us. Sometimes we can't change our personal responsibility. Sometimes wouldn't you like to kind of, we, we kind of get excited when we get to get out of something. Uh, my family's not here. They're supporting Asa tonight. Talk a little more about that. So I'm probably, I can loosen up a little bit and talk a little more about our family a little bit. But one of the most dreaded things I don't like doing at home, I don't like folding laundry. I love doing my laundry, hanging it up, all those things, but I don't like folding laundry. So I get excited when someone says, hey, I'm going to do it. I've just been released from my personal obligation. I'm really happy. It wouldn't be life, it wouldn't be easy if life was kind of that way. As parents, if you have children or grandchildren, or some in some cases, great-grandchildren, we sometimes want to intervene. I have. I've wanted to intervene in my child's life. Uh, to try to lessen their challenges, to try to help them with their personal responsibility. But are we doing them any favors by intervening? Uh, I was fortunate uh, when I was in high school to play football for a gentleman who he really didn't care who your parents were. He really didn't. He didn't care who your parents were not. He only cared about your personal responsibility. He cared about your personal commitment. That's how you saw the field, but many a day I remember coming off the practice field and seeing our practice on the side of the hill peppered with a lot of parents and a lot of dads generally, and every now and then you'd have a dad or two try to confront coach a little bit about playing, my, why Junior's not getting to play as much, why Junior's not getting to touch the ball, or why Junior's not getting to do this. But at the end of the day, it was about your personal commitment to the expectations of what he had laid before. It's a secular example. Lonnie Jones, a brother in Christ, a noted speaker and counselor, he says, as he sees lots of people in his office, of parents, or parents in his office, he says, I see so many times parents trying to prepare the path for their child when really they should be preparing their child for the path. And he says, if we, I can get people to, to understand that, then you're teaching your child and my child about personal responsibility. We all have a responsibility to take care of our obligations and our commitments. When we sidestep our obligations, we become sidetracked sometimes. Personal responsibility and our natural responsibility to God is being clearly laid out for us. Sometimes we may think this idea of scripture, of commandments, uh, precepts, of doctrine, all those things are burdensome. But for me, as I think about it, it's very liberating because in our society, we, we have kind of bought into the idea that if you want to be successful, 
you got to be a partisan member of X. Or if you want to climb the ladder, you got to be part of this clique, or you got to be part of this group if you want this door open for you. We have conditions as humans, but when it comes to personal responsibility, Christ only wants us to be committed to Him. That's all that He accepts. For, that's all He wants from us. So for me, that lightens the load. You know, while I want to get along with my brothers and sisters in Christ, while I want to get along with my peers, at the end of the day, the most important thing is my personal responsibility to Christ because that's the words we're going to be judged upon. How do we know? If you go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, we see in the first 8 to 10 pages of the Bible that God teaches us that He's placed personal responsibility on each one of us. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now, we remember what Adam had done. Adam, what was he doing? He was shamefully hiding. Go down just a little bit in verse 13 of Genesis 3, four or five verses down. And we said, God is talking to Eve, the wife of Adam. Verse 13, it says, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. She was referencing to them disobeying what he had directed them to do. Flip on over to uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. God asked Cain about his brother. He says, the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? By chapter 6, pretty quick, where, where are we? We see that the flood, God has destroyed mankind because mankind is responsible for what he does. We are responsible. We have, there are choices, our consequences tied to our choices. Each one of us are accountable and responsible to God. God is not going to forget that. He's going to hold each one of us to that. While some may say that's burdensome, to me I think that it's liberating. Again, it's freedom because I only have to make sure I'm in line with what Christ expects from me. We're not here by our own will or actions. If you look at Job chapter 33, verse 4, Job says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Do you believe that? That when we understand that God has given us life, He's the one who created all of us, that again should realize we should be looking toward the purpose that He has laid out for us. You go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 through 14. While you're turning it, it seems that, again, we've kind of bought into the idea in society that our jobs or our purpose is to amass as much as we can, to accumulate as much as we can, to be held up as much as we can by our peers, to be esteemed. We've kind of bought into that's the idea of success. But Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 through 14, Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all, verse 14, for God will bring every work into judgment including every secret thing, whether good or evil. What does Solomon tell us? He's telling us our purpose. That's our, our purpose. Now, that's, we know that it can be complicated at times in this old world, but we're living in the Christian age. We can talk a lot, a lot about the Old Testament, but none of these things in the Old Testament will allow us to go to heaven. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ will enable us to go to heaven. The church, the gospel, only Christ. And we must obey the gospel we do everything on earth God has called us to do in the time that we're living. We're honoring the expectations and the personal responsibility He expects, have, He has for us. When we live faithfully, when we fulfill our purpose, we shouldn't dismiss that. 
we need to be mindful that we should be careful of how we live our Christian life. We know that it seems that we're always being pulled or, or, or there's a snare always waiting for us. Uh, but if we live faithfully, we are embracing that personal responsibility. In a society that no longer denies self but wants to celebrate individuality, uh, me first, my time is important, that kind of attitude, we understand that being, sometimes we may even think being a Christian is too much. You know, I just can't do it all. It's just way too much. You know, I'm expected to repent of my sins and turn away. I'm expected to change my life. I'm expected to attend worship services. I'm expected to participate in out outreach efforts. Uh, it's, a, it's been a nice day today, a little cool, but I would call today. I know this is going to catch you by surprise, but I'm a big boy. I've been this size all of my life, and when I have to wear clothes that are multiple layers, I get really hot. So I like it when it's a little crisp. I attended a rehearsal dinner Friday night, and the wedding yesterday, it was all outside. I was totally fine with it. It was a little windy, a little cool, but it, we've had a nice weekend. And there are tons of things we all could be doing today. I don't play golf. I'm scared of water, so I'm not going to be on the boat. But there's tons of things that we'd all rather be doing outside today. But Sunday is not an extra Saturday. Sunday is built and laid aside for us to worship God, to reset, to rejuvenate, to be restored our minds, and find ways to reconnect with Christ through the work of the church. But sometimes we may think that that's too hard, that's too burdensome. If you go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, the King James Version, King James Version talks about God's commandments being grievous or grievous. But the ESV, New King James, says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. If you think God's commandments of repenting, changing your life, being baptized for the remission of your sins, coming up out of the watery grave, Romans 6, being a new creation, attending worship services, finding ways to serve, if you think all of that is way too burdensome, then we are in disagreement with what God is saying. Because Jesus says, take his yoke and learn of him. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. Solomon even tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. Sometimes we maybe should be asking, what can I do better? Can I do these things better? Since my wife's not here, I'll use one more sports analogy and I won't use another one. But I asked a, uh, a friend of mine who's, been a, who's had a lot of success with, with coaching football. And I said, what's the difference, you know, from our time to now? He says, back when we were younger, you ought always ask, what can I do for the program? But now, a lot of kids ask, what can the program do for me? Now, that's an athletic secular example. But if we're not careful, we might apply that to the church and what, instead of saying, what can I do to help expand the borders of God's kingdom? We had a VBS meeting this afternoon. I'll go ahead and put you on high alert. Patrick, uh, Frankie, myself, and Chris, we're going to be reaching out to you. So clear your calendars for the third week of July. Go ahead and plug now. We're going to rec recruit you because we need you. But we need to be asking, what else can we do to make sure we're up upholding our personal responsibility? What about our families? Uh, we have a personal responsibility to our families. We have an obligation, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, and our extended family. Are we managing them or are we leading them? Hopefully we're leading them 
uh, to Christ and helping them focus on heaven. We can't go to heaven by ourselves. We need each other. We need our families to encourage us. We need to, I would ask our, our children, we studied during the getting ready for the pearls test. That was actually a couple of the topics that we talked about is how can children help their parents? How can children help their families? How can parents help their children? And it's all working together. We should be helping each other get to heaven. You may think, well, what, some of our young people may think, well, I'm, I'm too young. I'm too, I'm too small, can't do anything. Uh, Asa tonight is participating in the Monroe County, uh, he's speaking at the Monroe, Monroe County Youth, uh, County-wide youth devotional. And I've learned that to stay out of it, you know, it's when he's developing his lessons or something like that, he'll figure it out. And if he wants help, he'll ask, he'll say something. There again, I've wanted to intervene, but I've learned to stay out of it until he asks. But he was kind of, he was working on his lesson a couple days ago and he bounced through the kitchen and he knows how much I love quotes, one-liners, taglines, old wives' tales, all those things. He said, I came up with a pretty good line. I said, well, let's hear it. He says that, uh, leadership has no age limit. I said, I'm going to use that, but I'll give you credit for it. But I would also like to expand upon that. He says leadership has no age limit, but I'd like to say that personal responsibility has no age limit. You can open up the pages of the Bible and you can see both young and old, middle aged people, just regular everyday people who have made mistakes but God is using them to do great things. You can see uh, a little boy or a little girl doing great things, helping lead their family in some instances, pointing them to heaven, pointing them to God. So everybody has an opportunity. Do you realize that as a society, sometimes parents who are void of knowledge will raise children who are void of knowledge? None of our local school districts, when you think about personal responsibility, as great as, as much as I appreciate all of our local school district, they will not teach your child, my kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews about the knowledge of God on those campuses. They just will not. It only takes place in the home, at church, in Bible classes, maybe a neighbor who might have an interest uh, in a child or, or a neighbor child. We must make sure that we are teaching our children not to be void of knowledge. In our lifetime, in 2023, in my lifetime, our kids have the best of houses, the biggest houses, the best cars. Go through any parking lot, at Barron County High School, at Glasgow High School, student parking lot, that is not teacher parking lot, but student parking lot. And you'll see our kids have the best of everything, best clothes, best, most opportunities, post-secondary opportunities ever in, in, the, in the, our, my lifetime. But yet, we have a lot of kids who are void of knowledge. But when I, I never wanted to be one of those people who was kind of down on the next generation. When I look at kids, I see optimism. I see kids who are loaded with digital talent, artistic talent, athletic talent, uh, academic talent, all of those things. But unfortunately, a lot of our kids are void of knowledge because our parents are void of knowledge. Some of our parents are struggling with relationships. I'm not going to quote it word for word, but the mother... Of the, the student, of the guy who did the shooting at the old bank in Louisville a few weeks ago, in a press release, she, and I'm not being critical of, of parents for two reasons. One, uh, I'm a parent, and two, I know how hard it is. So I'm not going to be critical of any parent. But she said this. She said, we had no idea that he was battling all the challenges that he was battling. 
Don't know what their relationship was like. But we need to make sure we're not giving our kids over to the world. We're not letting someone else raise our kids. We're not letting institutions, nonprofits, all of those things raise our kids. Because when that happens, they become void of knowledge and our relationships with them become empty. It's something for us to think about as personal responsibility to, to our kids. Uh, <clears throat> moving on. If you slide down to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. We need to mark these places. We need to read them with our families. We need to read them. God knew that we would forget things. God knew that we would get busy with life. So he's left these things for us as guides, as, as guardrails, you might say. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded, has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your head, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Our kids, my kids, your kids will never be perfect. In our, one of our most recent podcasts, T.J. Kirk, he said that one of the things he loves about Jesus is Jesus teaches us and him that we don't have to be him. We don't have to be perfect. But if we will digest and share God's word, our kids, from a personal responsibility standpoint, if God is in their hearts and in our hearts, on the chances are they're going to steer clear. They're going to steer clear of trouble of things that, that's going to cause harm to others, of crime, destructive behavior. It's up to us to use every possible means to make sure that our children are learning about God and, and Christ. You flip over to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. I know, I know kids really love it when, when Bible class teachers or, or, or people presenting a lesson gets to this point. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. We don't want to raise kids so that one day they'll be exposed to God's anger or God's wrath. I think about our, our law, folks in law enforcement how many times they have to deal with juveniles, how many times they have to deal with young people who were never corrected, redirected, or told no, or punished for making or by refusing to obey, that at some point, uh, you know, I didn't realize my mother knew about Ben Franklin. She used to always say every tub was set on its own bottom. I thought she came up with that until I was amazed. I heard a kid reading out of a book that Ben Franklin was mentioned, and he said every tub was set on its own bottom. I'm like, I thought my mother wrote that. But I guess Ben Franklin wrote that. 
But it goes back at some point, what I talked about earlier, that if we can allow our kids to fail, make mistakes, and understand personal responsibility, it's just going to be better in adulthood. It's going to be better for them. And hopefully, they will not understand God's anger or wrath. Job chapter 36, verses 11 through 12 says this. If they obey and serve Him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword. and They shall die without knowledge. We need to make sure that we're making a place for God in our home and our relationships. Personal responsibility requires a personal connection to God. God has an all-seeing eye. I know that's not news to you, but if you go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, Proverbs, Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. We need to understand that we don't want to use scare tactics towards our kids, towards our grandkids. We don't want to do that. But we want our kids and all of us to understand that there's a higher authority than the president. There's a higher authority than our local our politicians. There's a higher authority than our parents or our grandparents. It's God. We need to make sure that our kids understand that and that we understand that because God's or the Lord's eyes are in every place. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open through the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. You slide on down to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. As you're turning, as we are, are creeping up, I guess some folks have already started planting things. Uh, you know, I share in my Wednesday night Bible class that at my home, we're a lot of things. But persistent is one of the things we are. We fail every year at gardening. We fail every year at planting. But we are very persistent. And we're going to go, we're going to go fight them again here probably in a few weeks. Because we enjoy being out there, getting in the dirt, the smell of, of the early springtime and all those things. Because we, even though we do garner a few tomatoes and maybe uh, a few onions every now and then, we do appreciate what we sow, we will reap. If we sow tomatoes, we'll hopefully reap tomatoes. Uh, same thing as what Scripture is teaching us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Of course, we know that God is not mocked. God, we will receive what we sow, but from a personal responsibility standpoint. If we seek a loving relationship with Christ, if we walk with Him, we will in turn, we will reap that. We will be able to not perfect our challenges uh, in this world, but we'll be able to withstand them a little better. Look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. When it comes to think about personal responsibility, you know, I mentioned a few minutes ago that hopefully everybody will be asked to participate and VBS pretty soon. If not VBS, I know the education rotation will be changing soon. Uh, you know, I, I grew up watching black and white westerns with my dad on Saturdays, and you know, the good guys in the white hats would always say this about the the guys in the black hats, the bad guys. They would always say, "You can run, but you can't hide." And I would watch with anticipation because I knew that the bad guys were going to get called eventually because that was Hollywood and the way it was supposed to work out. But you think about us as we seek to maybe, if we shirk our responsibilities to serve or work or help uh, within the, the work of the church, or maybe we just are, are burdensome with God's commandments and we want to flee. 
we must remember that we can run, but Proverbs 15.33 tells us we can't hide. Because look at Jonah. What did old Jonah try to do? But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went to the belly of that boat, to that huge ship. He tried to run, but he couldn't hide. Think about Exodus, or Moses in Exodus. Moses was spared. We knew how he grew up. He grew up as the child of Pharaoh's daughter, had wealth and privilege, but one day he made a mistake. He killed a man, and he ran in exile and tried to be in exile for about 40 years in the land of Midian. And where was he found? He was in the back of the desert watching his father-in-law's sheep. But he was found. Jonah was on a ship, but he was found. And summoned him, and God told him what he needed to do, and he expected him to do it. What about us? Sometimes we may want to run and think that we're not going to be found, but we always are because God has an all-seeing eye. Look at Psalm uh, 139, verses 7 through 12. We're reminded... Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be about me. Be, uh, the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Now, that's not a scare tactic. That should be encouraging to us that even in our darkest of times, God is with us, Lord is watching us, and that's why it's ever, ever more important for us to walk in the light, ever more important for us to accept our personal responsibility, find ways to grow, find ways to work, find ways to, to serve, because we can't escape the consequences of, of sin or the consequences of our choices. It said this, it has been said about this, about sin. That sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to say, stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. When we accept our personal responsibility, we can fight back. Many times I think we become complacent as Christians. Uh, maybe as just humanity in general that we settle, that we can't just overcome. Maybe we feel that we're drowning, but we can respond. We can push back against Satan. Because if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, if we have our eye on the end, we realize that fight we must, push we must. Because one day, not a scare tactic, but one day we know that we all have a limited number of sunsets. And when our time is over, that marks the end of our personal responsibility. But it also marks the end of any type of long-suffering God can have towards us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We know that we cannot escape our personal responsibility. Because the all-seeing eye of God, the consequences of sin, death, and judgment. We can't escape obeying the gospel. In a few minutes, we'll be offering the invitation. I'll, I, Keith Parker would always, I heard Keith preach a lot, but I remember one time before he began a lesson, he said, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. 
I want to ask you to pray and think about responding, making changes in your life. I heard David Shannon, when he's offered the invitation, he would say, one step. He said, that's all it takes is one step that you can make a transformation. You can begin that transformation. When we ex accept our personal responsibility, we need to think about responding. We need to think about transforming our life, taking that one step. We can't escape obeying the gospel. We're not required to offer gifts. We're not, offer, we're not required to offer sacrifices. He calls upon us to respond to the good news, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 says this, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him, Him being Christ? Jesus left heaven and went to the cross to pay for our sins. Only the blood of Christ can atone for our sins. Personal responsibility, personal accountability. Some may think that's grievous. Some may think that it's burdensome. But actually, because of Christ, it's freedom. You can think of a plan that even rivals that. I would like someone to share it, but you can't. Nobody can. Nothing even comes close to God's plan for saving man. The only things we can do is what we're going to be judged on, directed to us by Jesus. At this time, I want you to think about that one step. What can I do to have a more joyous life, not a grievous life, a more productive life, not a burdensome life? What can I do? Have I ever been baptized for the remission of, our, of my sins? We would love to help you with that question. We would love to assist you with that process. Or maybe you shirked your personal responsibility a long time ago that you want to make some changes. You want to be restored. You want to reconnect because you want to walk with Christ. Now is the best time to do that. Please accept your personal responsibilities. We stand and sing. When my love to you, Christ will see.